，求求求来，我们能说什么舍不舍得？轻轻触碰过，至少不完全错过。谁心不灭，爱的一瞬间。That was Jim with Moments, just a nice soothing piano ballad for all the listeners out there right now. And that unfortunately will take us to the end of today's program. I have one last song to end off with, and it's by a dude named Chancellor and Bumkey. Now, Chancellor actually is a veteran artist. He is originally known as Chance, and he was part of an RB trio in Korea called One Way. And after a while, he split off. He's actually a part of Double Sidekick Music. They have been responsible for some of the biggest hits in Korea for the past few years, and they've expanded from just a producing duo into a team of a dozen different producers. So this song is actually a tribute to the one and only Jay Dilla. Rest in peace to one of the greatest. And it's called Son Iga, which, if I am correct, it means two hands or double hands. And essentially, it's just kind of talking about how he'd love to be kind of like the helping hand to this to this person that he loves. It's just got a really nice, snappy, jazzy style, very melodic, just some good R&B and soulful, and an amazing tribute to Jay Dilla. So that will play us out today. Thank you once again to Scott for coming in here. That will do it for this week's Asian Wave 101. If you have any thoughts on today's news or requests for me, send it my way, asianwave101 at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. I'm Steve. This has been Asian Wave 101. Thank you so much for tuning in. Arts Report is coming up next. They got a couple interviews, and the crew is coming in here to just spread some news about all the great things happening in the arts scene. Chancellor and Bumkey to play us out. Take care, everyone. Peace. Oh.
Report. You are um, with me, Ashley, and I'm joined by uh, Jake Clark. Hi, Jake. And today we have so many great new uh, stuff for you. I have with us uh, from Vancouver Chamber Choirs, Mr. John Washburn. Uh, hello there. Hello. Hello. And what we're going to do for you today is um, we have a wonderful interview with John as well as some other guests, but let's get right to it. So you are the conductor. A Vancouver Chamber Choir. Yes. And it's been about, uh, I think, it's the 45th anniversary this year, right? That's that's true, yes. And um, can you tell us more about this upcoming event? You guys are working with Early Music Vancouver and Pacific Music Works for the uh, Monteverdi Vespers of 1610. You've got it, Monteverdi Vespers, 1610. And um, 1600 was the period of time uh, when um, there was a major arts transformation happening, the end of the Renaissance, the beginning of the Baroque period. And um, the uh, Vespers of 1610 um, are like uh, the first... Uh, uh, oratorio that was ever written. It, uh, uh, in the new style, Monteverdi was a composer who bridged both the Renaissance and the Baroque period. And, um, and so um, when he started writing in this new style, um, he really uh, uh, changed the course of musical history. And that's the piece that we're going to be doing at the Chan Center on Friday night. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, did the decision to choose Monteverdi you know, come naturally to you guys? Was there kind of like a debate on what made you think this is what we want to do? Well, you, you know, uh, we have um, um, a responsibility as a performing mm -hmm. ensemble to, uh, to keep the, the masterworks of, of music alive. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Usually, that's something that's in our mind when we decide what we're going to perform. Of course, we do many concerts uh, throughout a year, so sometimes uh, we're looking at uh, preserving the masterworks of pastime. Sometimes we're doing um, uh, new pieces that have just been written and commi commissioned and written, uh, um, so that so that we're building the future of music as as well. Uh, but in this case. Um, uh, it's uh, it's a special um, thing because the, uh, the the piece itself is so old mm -hmm. that modern instruments are not really good for performing it, uh, um, mm -hmm. and the, the early music so, uh, society um, they um, they specialize 
and they have uh, players who specialize in instruments of the time. So that's what's going to happen on Friday night is uh, uh, my singers are going to join the solo singers and then the instrumentalists who are all playing um, uh, Renaissance or Baroque uh, instruments uh, so that the music will sound like it did at the time that it was written. And if you don't mind me asking, when was the first time you actually heard this composition? Like, you heard and you're like, wow, and then... Is there any specific thing that ties you, you know, maybe personally, to you know, this particular composition? Yes. Well, the, the, the first time uh, the, that I actually uh, uh, heard the piece was when I was in university myself. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this, was, this is also ancient history. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh, yes, yes, indeed. It was back in the, uh, the mid-'60s. And um, and I was uh, singing and w and uh, we prepared this piece and performed it and it just blew my mind. I, I, this is incredible, incredible uh, music. Um, and then w w uh, the next decade when I came to Vancouver, um, I specialized a lot in early music and was an early music instrumentalist myself. And I my my thought was, I've got to do the Monteverdi Vespers someday, but I won't do it unless I can do it with the proper instruments. Uh, I see. Yes, and so then uh, another decade went by, mm -hmm. and I started thinking, well, you know, since I don't have those instruments, I'm never going to be able to do this piece. So I compromised, and mm -hmm. I did performances with modern instruments back in the, in the 1980s. But this is a dream come true, because have, yeah, finally, yeah. 40 years later, <laughs> um, uh, we get to perform it with the proper sound. And yes. the, the old trombones, which are called sackbuts, and, uh, and the, the instruments that preceded the trumpet, which, was, which are called the cornetti, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and the old style of, of, of violins and... Uh, uh, and a harpsichord organ and harp and lute. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a really, really wonderful way to, to do the, the music. And, and um, because you are working with Early Music Vancouver and Pacific Music Works, I had a question. Was this the first time you guys are collaborating together or you guys are old, you know, longtime partners in creating beautiful Baroque music? Yeah, so we're, we're long-time partners. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Vancouver Chamber Choir was formed in 1971 mm -hmm. uh, w during the time that I was already, there was myself a student at UBC. And um, the Early Music Society was formed the year before, 1970. And uh, so as soon as the chamber choir was formed, we started doing uh, joint projects together. And we've done so on and off for uh, decades now. And, of course, everybody has changed except me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, everybody else is young and new, but I'm still the, the, the person, the, the repository mm -hmm. of the history of the, uh, of the organizations. What part of working with... Um, this piece in particular with your vocalist was kind of like the highlight of the production for you. Um, what's the highlight of the production? Oh, no, no, in, in working. So, like, in, the, the, oh, the practicing and preparation. What, what? Oh, well, it, it's, um, uh, it, it happened this morning. Really? <laughs> when we put all everybody together for the mm -hmm. first time, yes. Uh, and uh, when you hear that... Uh, that uh, everybody's on the same page and has is doing the right thing. Um, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, but I think uh, tomorrow, when we add the instruments for the first time, mm. um, that'll be pretty exciting. And then Friday, when we do the dress rehearsal in the afternoon, and then the performance in the evening. That's uh, it's it just can only get better and better. For um, because you guys are the. Um the, the chamber choir for doing music with with Baroque, especially for this yeah. uh, composition. Was there any sort of um, challenges that people had to face, or was it pretty easy to adapt to this type of music? 
No, no, we we have a, a, a lot of experience. Uh, oh, of course, now you know that the, the the Vancouver Chamber Choir is a professional choir. Yes, of course. Yeah, so all, all of the singers are, are professional level and um, very experienced, and, uh, and and so it's there's there's no special difficulty. Um, <laughs> the 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 one thing about the the musical style, or one of the things about the musical style, mm-hmm. is that it's very florid. So there's a lot of ornamentation in the singing, a lot of uh, fancy runs and things. And so it's um, it is a little bit of a challenge for all of the singers, but uh, when you're trained to do that, uh, it's it, it's not really difficult. It's just you're just glad that you practiced. <laughs> <laughs> and you have been the conductor since 1971. Yes. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, in an, in your entire uh, run as conductor. What were one of the most uh, memorable, uh, I guess, shows that you've done? And with this one in particular, because you've done it for so long, do you think that's kind of like, I did it? It's like one thing in your goals, sort of like to-do list. Uh, yes, well, I, I don't know. There are a lot of uh, very special highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I would say uh, when we were on tour back in, in 1989, uh, in the what was then the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and we arrived in Moscow, and we c- uh, collaborated with the Moscow Chamber Choir for our concert in the Bolshoi Hall of the uh, Tchaikovsky Music Conservatory, which is the most famous uh, 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 hall in uh, music hall mm-hmm. in, in all of Russia. Um, uh, that was pretty exciting. I remember somebody saying, well, you know, the last time that uh, a Canadian performed uh, here in this hall, it was Glenn Gould, um, uh, the the famous Canadian pianist. Uh-huh. And those that kind of gives you a shiver when you go out on the stage and you realize that you're following in the feet of so many famous people. That sort of thing happens uh, occasionally as... Um, we've had uh, we've done quite a few international tours, and very often you have very special experiences doing that. And one last question before um, we have to um, before we have to say goodbye is um, this is this is on October twenty third at seven thirty, and is there anything else that? Um, it's upcoming for Vancouver Chamber Choir that, you know, we should be aware of and maybe um, go see. What a thoughtful question. Thank you very much. Uh, we do a concert uh, at least every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, um, in November now we're doing a very different kind of program in which, w- which is called New Wave. Oh. Uh, and uh, it's all music of mm-hmm. the last oh, 10 years or so. And um, uh, there even will be, uh, uh, I think, uh, at least two premieres of of pieces that have never been performed before. Um, And I really recommend that for your listeners who are uh, uh, interested in new things. Mm -hmm. Interested Um, in all styles of music, and especially one from Vancouver Chamber Choir, which, of course, is professionally trained. It's going to be wonderful. Yes, um, and of course we have uh, Christmas programs coming up in December. That's mm-hmm. not that far away. Uh, so we have a big Christmas program in, in the Orpheum uh, on the 4th of December. And then later in the month we, we're doing um, a couple of smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, one is uh, called a Dylan Thomas Christmas with, okay. uh, with the, uh, the Christmas story of the, the great Welsh poet. Uh, Dylan Thomas, and then the other is a Charlie Brown Christmas with actors, and uh, and we do the uh, the Charlie Brown uh, mm-hmm. story. So uh, with with music um, uh, similar to what was on the TV show. So definitely heartwarming. Oh, there are a lot of lot of things that we're doing. Just uh, uh, um, all you have to do is go to our website, uh, Vancouver Chamber Choir, and uh, 
and you'll uh, you'll find all the information you need. Mm -hmm. And speaking about tomorrow's, um, uh, sorry, on October 23rd's performance at 7.30, this is at the Chan it's, Center. So yeah, anybody, especially music students at UBC, you yourself is a UBC graduate, uh, yeah. they should definitely come check you guys out. Wonderful venue, wonderful um, choir, wonderful uh, conductor. <laughs> Thank you. It's this Friday. Mm -hmm. This Friday, that's right. This Friday at the Chan Center, yes. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really look forward to um, to this wonderful kind of event. That is, again, it's Monteverdi Vespers of 1610. They had the original... Uh, they have the original musical instruments of that time. You know you're getting a beautiful rendition with the Vancouver Chamber Choir as well as Early Music Vancouver and Pacific Music Works. Thank you again so much, Mr. John Washburn. It's very kind of you to show interest. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hope you have a good one. Bye. All right, guys. So we're going to put on a few uh, PSAs for you to, of course, pay attention to. And we'll com come back with a few more stuff. We have some great reviews. I have my review of The Waiting Room, which unfortunately we didn't get to yes uh, last week, but we'll get to today, as well as another interview coming up with... Brad Delasure, De I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, <laughs> head of Vice President of Alternative Programming for Cineplex, mm -hmm. and uh, all, which actually put on a live stream of Hamlet from London, England, and that's what we'll be approaching as well with Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock himself. <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you enjoy these PSAs. Let me refresh your memory. Russians. That's right. Russians, Ruskies, Communists, Communists. Oh, now you remember. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Russian Tim, and I'm the host of weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. Every Tuesday, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., Rocket from Russia is aired on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, or CITR.ca, anywhere where internet is paid for. return of pumpkins but not just pumpkin spice actual pumpkins on october 24th from three to six come join langara college business students at southlands heritage farms in south vancouver for pumpkin art for animals all proceeds for this pumpkin painting fundraiser will go towards the bc spca so come on down to support the animals paint a pumpkin do some activities and eat some snacks Admission is by donation with a minimum donation of $10 per person. And welcome back to the Arts Report. So I didn't get to uh, do this last week, and um, but it's still going, and you should definitely check it out. This is Arts Club's The Waiting Room, and it's at the Granville Island stage at none other than Granville Island. Um, just a little background information. This... Um, musical is actually commissioned by the Arts Club. They commissioned uh, John Mann, a uh, musician, Canadian musician, very, very famous, kind of like a, a darling of, <laughs> of Canada. And uh, in 2011, they commissioned this uh, piece from him. And it was actually based on his experience with illness back in 2009, specifically cancer. And one thing about The Waiting Room, when I, when I saw it on October the 13th, just, man, I had such high expectations. Like, you know it's going to be really, really good. You have John Mann. You have, um, you, ha you have the Arts Club. You know that they do great things. It's collaborated with Morris Paintsch. Like, you have the heavy hitters. And you're wondering, how will this kind of bear up with my expectations? It really just blew me out of the water. It was great. The Waiting Room is a heart-filled musical dramedy. It's the collaboration of Morris Panch's book and John Mann's music and lyrics, and is a sublime experience to behold. Speaking about the connection between music and dialogue, as this musical, this musical is based on John Mann's personal life and private and public discourse and the effects of death and near death, to have the legendary mu musician present, um, but also kind of screened off 
from the stage. Like, he's there, but you can't really see him. When you go see the show, you'll know what I mean. Um, it elevates the genuine sensations of grief, fear, and love that he has felt in the struggle against, you know, this disease. So actor Jonathan Young portrays Jay, a man who's diagnosed with cancer. As dire the situation is, Jay's bleak but almost manic panic is both highly comedic and honest in its vulnerability. His conversations with a young girl named C, played by Matria Scarwinner, offer the audience the pleasure of voicing our innermost dissatisfaction with our mortality. Jillian Fargay, who is Jay's wife named Elle in the musical, adds a subtle nuance and touching support. Her scenes show the range of the coupled relationship through Jay's recovery. And one of my favorite scenes has Elle remind Jay and the audience the strength of support. And while we cannot truly understand the body or the mind of our loved ones who are suffering, we'll never stop trying to really understand them and support them, even through that dark time. The supporting cast of characters performed by Peter Anderson, Chris uh, Cochrane and Bonnie Pinch adds a liveliness and multiple points of view on sickness, health, faith, and life. But the full experience is incomparable with that the stage band. Accompanying John Mann, the show boasts the talents of Brad Gillard, Eric Reed, Alan Roger, and Sherry Ulrich. With set and costume design um, by Ken McDonald, movement collaborated by Wendy Gorling, and the visual effect of the waiting room is something you need to witness in person. I really can't um, explain it too much because I do want you to go see and I don't want to spoil it for you. But the symbolism that they use is quite picturesque. It isn't too heavy-handed in my personal point of view. And it really sets up the um, it really sets up the environment of this kind of uh, musical quite well. It, it, it's kind of like, I don't know how to explain it, the epitome of anticipation, the anxiousness for, you know, the wait to end, and almost the ironic desire to keep on waiting instead of, you know, knowing the finality of circumstance. It, it, I don't know how to say it, but The Waiting Room is a beautiful addition to Canadian drama and one with a universal message, I'd like to think. And if my review of it hasn't kind of, um, you know, has kind of maybe sparked an interest, I really suggest that you go on and go see the show. The waiting room runs until the 31st of October. It's the 21st today, so you have 10 more days to catch this wonderful musical. It is at the Granville Island stage at, you know, where else? Granville Island. And I recommend that you actually purchase tickets early as the show gets quite packed. I'm not even joking. I was uh, on the 13th, and man, almost full house. Really, really, really full. And I think that's the reason why um, you should go see it because, again, there is a sort of universality to the story itself and to the characters going through this personal crisis um, themselves as well because once you do get cancer, once you do get sick, you're very aware of how weak you actually are. You're very aware of, if I do get better, will I just relapse again? Who's gonna you know who's to say it won't it won't happen again it was so easy before why should I you know keep on and then with that in mind the play is not depressing at all it is actually much more yeah oh. that's that's yeah I was gonna say, that's a little heavy it sounds really heavy but it is it, it it's true to musical genre conventions it's quite there are parts there that's quite light and even really cheery and poppy and, you know, John Mann, he defeated cancer. His... Commendable. Excuse me? Well, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he defeated cancer. And this musical is not just about really, you know, being stuck in death and that life is pointless. It's that, you know, life, you know, there will be... They're, they're, not, they're not sugarcoating it either. There will be an end. But to get to that end, it doesn't mean that, you know, we have to you know, be afraid of it. It means we have to keep on, you know, live in, keep on enjoying life, keep on doing what we do. You know, when you mentioned uh, musical about death, what I thought of actually was um, the All That Jazz, the, the movie with uh, okay. when, when, uh, <laughs> where, ja- where death is a character. Okay, yeah. Played by Jessica Lange. I, 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 I don't know why. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's a much nicer depiction of death, I imagine, than any, anything else. It's a very different 
musical about death, I'm, I'm presuming. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, that's, that's what you think of. It's, it's an interesting topic for a musical, right? It's, I'd say mm -hmm. I, I, I haven't seen it. You make me want to see it. It's um, really it's really good. Mm -hmm. And to listeners out there, it's really good. I'm going to just let you know. It's really good. I would, um, I would definitely watch it again if I could. I definitely would. And um, what we're going to do now, that was my review of the Arts Club's The Waiting Room. Again, it is until the 31st at Granville Island, um, stage at Granville Island. You can buy tickets online. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to play a few uh, PSAs that you should know about before we get on to our next guest. Has mental illness or addiction touched your life? You might be interested in coming out to the Kaleidoscope, UBC's first and only student-created, peer-run mental health support group at the university's Vancouver campus. They offer a stigma-free place for people to share their stories with others going through similar experiences. The Kaleidoscope meets every week on Tuesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. at the Center for Student Involvement in Brock Hall. Learn more at the-kaleidoscope.com. And welcome back to the Arts Report. So today I'm joined by Jake. Hi. And Jake, I think you had a review for us today while we wait for our next guest, right? Well, yeah. I, I, um, I saw uh, the live stream of Hamlet at Cineplex. And, um, okay, live stream of Hamlet. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. like uh, it's, it's, uh, Cineplex is doing this really great thing is that they're streaming these, uh, these plays from London, England in this case. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's where they've streamed them from all in the past. I'm not certain about that. I wouldn't quote me on that. But uh, <laughs> these, uh, these are restagings of plays. And... Uh, they they introduced that before the play Benedict Cumberbatch himself uh, he's he's the star of it he is Hamlet in this mm -hmm. one talks about uh, introducing Shakespeare to more people through this and I think that's really commendable because I I, I I love Shakespeare a lot mm -hmm. and uh, I was really excited to see this and uh, it didn't let me down like uh, there was a there's a play there's a similar screening in, uh, in London mm -hmm. on Ontario my hometown not London England <laughs> uh, that's uh, yeah uh, of Frankenstein. Uh, which was a play with Johnny Lee Miller and mm -hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch swapping the roles of the Doctor and Frankenstein. I know, right? Sherlock I times two. I'm just, I'm sorry. I was trying to like be quiet about it, but uh, love it. Uh, no, Johnny Lee Miller. Exactly. Like it, it was uh, to me that that was. I think it, it sold. A, um, it could you could sell it very well based on that. Yes. And I think this is a it's a great thing as I mentioned uh, about to have this to introduce Shakespeare more because mm -hmm. the man's words are inescapable. Like uh, if if you read Hamlet, which I did as part of my schooling, and there's so many quotes that have been. There's so many sayings that are just derived from this, and mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's amazing, like just how much of it um, comes comes through. And it's a, it's a meaty play, is the thing. There's only, I don't you don't often see it in its entirety. This version included. This version had about 20 minutes okay. of the original script cut. I see, I see. So they had to tr truncate it for you know viewers, right? A little bit. Like yeah. the beginning, for example, starts with uh, two guards seeing the ghost, and yeah. it, the, that scene's excise those guards. Oh, oh BT Deb, spoiler alerts for Shakespeare's Hamlet. <laughs> That's the beginning. I know, but still. But just so you know, we're going to talk about it. If you haven't read it yet, okay. You should probably read it. You it's should. Just, it's, it's actually really enjoyable to read. <laughs> like I, I, don't, I wouldn't say this about many plays, even yeah. many of Shakespeare's plays, but Hamlet is actually decent to read. But yes, let's go back to the guards, the ghost, what's happening. Yeah, so in the beginning yeah. of the, the script, the guards see the ghost, and they say, that's when they say something's rotten in Denmark. Yep. And I, I love that saying because a friend of mine will always say something's rotten in Denver. And it's like, <laughs> it's Denmark. We're, we're closer to Denver. I was like, good good, good point there. Uh, I, I didn't know what else to say about it. And uh, th that, it, th in, in this version, for example, they start with Hamlet brooding. And uh, Hamlet, Hamlet is known as a brooding character yep. a lot. Like every depiction of Hamlet, he's kind of a melancholy guy. The Mel Gibson version, he's melancholy, also yep. kind of crazy. <laughs> in the Ethan Hawke version, in the Ethan Hawke version, he's just kind of there. I, I don't know much to say about that. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, for me, I, I love the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet a yes, lot. Yes, I do too. I, I don't know. I, I think many people aren't mm -hmm. uh, used to Kenneth Branagh, but he is amazing Shakespearean actor. Yeah. But he puts the ham in Hamlet. If he you does. Will. He does put the ham in Hamlet. <laughs> And Benedict Cumberbatch is he's he's Benedict Cumberbatch was great at showing exactly how quick-witted the character is. Okay. Hamlet's really good with a lot of these lines and quips on his feet. Even oh, yeah. as he dies, he's making uh, he's making jokes. <laughs> We're just like Hamlet, come on, you're dying, cut it out. Hamlet's like, no, no, I got it, I gotta have the last word. Man. Yeah, Mercutio does the same thing <laughs> yeah. for what it's worth. And 
uh, in uh, in Romeo and Juliet. But um, he he does that very well, and it's kind of he, he's kind of a tightly wound Hamlet too, which is interesting. Like, oh uh, really? Yeah, sort of. You see him as being kind of a uh, a bit of a not. I wouldn't say nerdy. I would okay. say though a bit. A bit kind of intelligent. Well, all, all Hamlets tend to be that way. A little but it, antisocial. Yes, a little bit. Okay. A, like a little bit, um, kind of nervous almost oh, is one okay. is an interesting thing about it because, um, like you got Kenneth Branagh who's full force all oh, the yeah, time. Oh yeah, he was just angry Hamlet. Yeah, like <laughs> speak the words trippingly upon the tongue until I jump up on stage and yell them at you. Yeah. <laughs> that that was uh in this case like there's some lines that he just really works very well. Benedict Cumberbatch's comic timing is. Peerless. If if you watch Sherlock, the mm-hmm. the that's that's just like it's it's up there. He's a very good Hamlet, but he, I, I also like to focus on the rest of them, uh, rest of the characters who did do tend to get ignored. Okay. The play's called Hamlet. You focus on Hamlet a bit. A the guy bit. who played Claudius was actually very good. Sharon Hines. I know I mispronounced that one. I'm <laughs> I'm sorry to him. He's a he's a fine actor. He's actually in mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He's Roy Bland, and. Uh, he, uh, he's actually – he's a very good Claudius, I find. You feel somewhat sorry for him, uh, which is interesting because Claudius is a villain who has a, is a villain in Shakespeare. Yeah. He has a lot of hate directed at him by Hamlet, mm-hmm. not unjustifiably in some cases, <laughs> although a little bit childishly in the beginning. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it, you, see, you see that he's kind of – he's really – he sounds sincerely regretful. I, yeah. I, find that, I find that interesting and that he plays the villain that way. And uh, – also Polonius. Polonius, the character to who is oh just... Oh my gosh, Polonius. <laughs> he's just... He's, he's, he's basically... Imagine the worst of Bono and Kanye West's public persona. It's summed up in quotes, that's Polonius. He just has his <laughs> foot perpetually in his mouth. Oh my god. Yeah, that's... Is that, that, <laughs> that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's that, good. That kind of fair? Like, he's, he's a windbag. Yeah. But here you kind of see that he's just... He's a, tightly wound older guy like that's uh that's kind of his shtick and he ends up he ends up dying and you actually feel for him in his death polonius's mm-hmm. death claudius's death not so much which again the comparison of that to the kenneth branagh version where claudius gets killed with a chandelier yeah yeah Cla- claudius gets a little you know yeah he gets a little fia <laughs> a little squish like that's uh, that's the interesting thing and i keep comparing this to the kenneth Branagh version i know because i i can't that's the biggest version there there is it is and it, it, is. it sticks with me mm-hmm. but that would be that would do injustice to one another thing in this one which is the staging the staging of this play is incredibly good like uh viewing this from the movie theater made me want to see it, it it's just it's really good staging it uses mm-hmm. the interior of a house and it it plays with your perception of space and time because it, it it makes this interior of the house seem suddenly like like a like a hall like a theater like like the like battlements like the hinterland where they're burying the graves the gravedigger scene as always is, is hilarious mm-hmm. and it's it, it's that it's this incredibly inventive staging which I think is commendable and which is to me the one of the many one of the reasons Shakespeare endures so well its adaptability and. Um, in this case, they put it. It's the timing is kind of ambiguous as to when it takes place. Okay. Branagh's version was like in the in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 kind of like like chose like a specific period and he stuck with it costume wise and yeah. everyone just they were like yeah this mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. nice very rococo like uh, Hamlet and a lot of the characters are dressed modernly but there's also formals that seem like they're from the forties. Okay, uh, uniforms that predate that. Uh, it, it's 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 a it's not a mishmash of aesthetics. It's kind of united, but there are that that there's that. It's got this this kind of brooding feel to it too. The house is this big cavernous room, which is the stage, and um, they fill that for the gravedigger scene. They fill it with this. I don't know what it is. It looks like leaves. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. If they actually fill the stage with rotting leaves, I yeah. feel very sorry for them. But uh, the uh, it's it's a very interesting thing they do with that and. The space does these strange things, like sitting in a theater knowing that you're watching something yeah, on a stage. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that. What is it like to have kind of like a – it's not – because with live theater, a lot of yeah. times people love it because they are sitting in a stage with other people mm-hmm. watching you know, real-life acting happen. And it's a little bit different than, let's say, for instance, when you're watching a movie. Even though you are with people, it still feels very singular. Yes. Whereas with theater, you feel like an entire entirety of people. I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm getting through. Like, you feel like more united, like a community. Oh watching. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, did, I, I yeah. get you. How did it feel watching a play but not really being in the audience space for that? 
It felt like watching a movie more than mm-hmm. a play, and because um, that that is the the medium. E- there's a distance between the performers, and you act differently for plays and movies. Mm-hmm. Like in plays, you always act for the back row. Yeah. That being said, in movies, Kenneth Branagh does the same thing. But <laughs> <laughs> We're so mean to Kenneth Branagh, but we do like him. Yeah, but if you're listening, Ken, we love you. I love you. Seriously. Uh, but there's uh, is and there's and there's nothing wrong with that intrinsically. There's mm-hmm. very fine actors, Benedict Cumberbatch, Al Pacino, Kenneth Branagh, uh, very many of them have a tendency to overact and that could just drive the point home. And that for Hamlet here, it's actually it's it's decently done is okay. is what I'm saying. All right. But he's acting for a theater. And mm-hmm. that's not as jarring as it could be. It's it's a very nuanced performance, it's a very skillful performance. And the fact that, that translates equally well while being viewed from uh, from a theater, it, that that does, that says good things about it. That says very good things about his ability to control his performance. It says very mm-hmm. good things about everybody's ability. And uh, I don't know about the rest of the cast, but he Benedict Cumberbatch and Ciaran Hines are well credited in film as well, so that could explain things. Yeah. But it, it's just a very well done, nuanced show. But it still feels like a theater. I don't think the people in the theater felt felt cheated, for example. Okay. Uh, which is which is interesting. They did close, though, with something that's interesting. It transcends the medium is that uh, they wanted to, a message for free the children, which in the theater would oh. usually just be collected on the way out. Yes, yes. Uh, they just, what change you have? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that's a decent request. You, you can't really do that in a movie theater. No, you can't. And you can't. You couldn't put an agent in every cineplex to collect for free the children. So they mm-hmm. gave the link for the website and uh, asked people to donate for that. They asked them very kindly. And that, that, was, in, that, was, that was commendable, I, I thought. And... It's it's interesting how that that adapted that desire because it's easier to ask for charities from a stage when you, when yeah. you're personal That's right. make the personal appeal when you have that distance you feel less obligated to them mm-hmm. um, and that, that that was that was one of many times when I thought it was a that the the connection was trans that that they are the connection between stage and film they're trying to make amends for that and it worked I, I wouldn't say that there was any real failures in that aspect and. Speaking to Cineplex uh, as the idea of how to adapt this, I think this was a really gutsy move on their part. Okay. Because you can't preview this. I mean, you, you No, can... you can't. I actually mm-hmm. saw um, what, what you mentioned before, another another Shakespearean play that they performed, I think, like two years ago I watched it, and it was also live-streamed at the Cineplex. Mm-hmm. And that was for... Um, no, no, not Shakespeare, excuse me. It was um, for... <laughs> Oh my God, Medea, Medea. Sorry, not Shakespeare. Sorry, not Shakespeare. Medea, and um, the way they did it was also really the Tyler cool. Tyler Perry movie? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not the Tyler Perry oh, movie. God. The uh, ancient Greek. Yeah, I know. Play she... Medea. Yeah, with the chariot and yeah. everything. Children killing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Jesus. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Sorry. That's okay. I one thing I want to ask you, and then this is from my experience of um, watching that, is they did make it a little bit more of a cinematography. Like they had cameras. Sometimes they'd had like a close up of the actor. Yeah, I did got. Have, did you get that too? Yes, I did. They had different cameras, mm-hmm. and uh, the one thing though, I could I could tell they were shooting the performance as it was live was because uh, the cameras, they because it's live stream, right? The stream yep. sometimes skipped a bit. Oh, okay. So the quality and there's no I don't think you can do this perfectly no, technologically that's true. speaking. You can't. You can't. Which is another reason why it's a gutsy thing. Like to see to to do this venture was probably a bit of, was a pretty a pretty significant gamble. And it's a gamble though that I imagine paid off because save one seat that I saw this entire thing was full. Oh, packed. wow. I arrived about half an hour early and I still ended up sitting in the uh, in the cheap seats. So <laughs> It was it was a, it was a very good turnout mm-hmm. for this for uh, this show, and I, I'll say that 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 heartens that that is heartening to me. That's great. So it's that. good that you know people still have interest in you know theater even with the competition of you know TV and film. It's always good to have that, and it's always good to see you know actors return mm-hmm. to the stage. And I think that's like a big thing with actors, especially in Britain. They have a really close connection to. You know, film and stage. Yeah, which um, which isn't really found too much in the North American kind of uh, context. Kind of not, not too much. It's a much more of like a, no. a, a, a what I what I discovered the British dramatic tradition, especially for their actors. You think that might come from having a larger scene here, though? Like in in Britain, it's all mm-hmm. in London. All of it's in London. The West End and the the film studios are in the same mm-hmm. city. In here, it's divided coast to coast. You got theater in New York and film on, in L.A. Yeah. Or, or Toronto and Vancouver. It depends on either one or Stratford. Mm-hmm. 
like and I there are some actors like Al Pacino who do who do plays still mm-hmm. to varying degrees of derision. I, I again that's not a dig at Al Pacino, but it's a it's a <laughs> it's it's a it's a point that people have been known to make. Yep. And uh, I that's um and there are I, some Canadian um uh-huh. and actors who do both um, stage and you know film too. Colm Fior. Yeah. The guy I admire greatly and who <laughs> who uh, my mother and father met actually. Wow. Yeah, what a small world. Regular patrons of Stratford. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's he's actually he's a very fine actor. And uh, if you haven't seen Bone Cup Bad Cup, uh, just <gasps> I love that movie. watch it. That's that that is that's a, that's a really <laughs> enjoyable movie. It's good. It's good. It's a Canadian treasure. Yeah, and uh, th- th- that is that that he's an excellent example mm-hmm. of being able to work in film and stage. He's also in the Trotsky with Jay Baruchko, Baruchel, as I recall. Wow. He, he was the teacher. He was this. Uh, huh. Yeah. So that that was my take on Hamlet, though, to, mm-hmm. to tie things back to some kind of unified thesis. <laughs> Too late, maybe. Uh-huh. So uh, if, true. if you have the opportunity, these these live streamings are – they're very worth it. And if, if you can, like, you're just, it's, it's, they're worth seeing alone just for the fact that how this text survives – text, text, uh, mm. enunciate, Jake. Like, That's okay. Text survived, right? Yeah. Uh, because like uh, Joss Whedon, for example, did an adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing, mm-hmm. which I really like. I was in Much Ado About Nothing, okay. so there was that really small role, Baraccio. The, uh-huh. the, the so you had a personal connection to the piece. Somewhat, I yeah. enjoyed it. I like uh, Midsummer Night's uh, Dream because I had like a personal connection to the piece too. The um, uh, which part you play? Um, well, I was originally cast as uh, Queen Titania, but I had to give up my role, and I'm maybe a little bitter about this. Yeah, you know what? I am a little bitter, like how she's bitter about the changeling kid and everything. Yeah. Um, because the other a girl wasn't doing super well in the class, and she needed like a bonus boosting mark, so she needed a larger role. So I was like, uh, the the teacher came and like just give her your role, and I was like, yeah, okay. role stealing, husband abducted a child, same difference. <laughs> but uh, I know how she goes. Like there are there are bits of those adaptations of Shakespeare that I that just I think deserve to be investigated with a great deal of interest, just for mm-hmm. how that text survives. This this Hamlet definitely being uh, part of that. And are, are they still playing it again at the Cineplex? I am not exactly certain. I think this – I am I actually – I believe – I believe – I wouldn't quote me on this. I believe okay. not. If you want, jo- go check it out. They probably mm-hmm. will have more in the future. As you can tell, very successful. Mm-hmm. You get a really great, um, you know, I guess from whatever whatever seat you, you know, sit in, you'll still get a really good um, – View of the show because there's cameras. Oh yeah, the, the, it was a panoramic view. I, I was I was in the cheap seats in yes. the far side. I still got an excellent view of the show. Yep. And again, it is um, you know a lot of great works that is being live streamed for you know public consum- consumption here in Vancouver. And uh, we have a few more PSAs before we you know get back. But again, you're listening to the Arts Report on 101.9 FM on unceded Musqueam territory. Thanks, guys. Open Media International is a non-profit, non-partisan organization working towards informed, citizen-driven internet policy. Open Media believes in keeping the internet uncensored, open, innovative, secure, and providing universal access to fast and affordable networks. If you would like Open Media to keep campaigning for citizens and internet policy, you can donate to them at openmedia.org or openmedia.ca. You can also find them on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Slow down. You're not in a race. Alcohol-related deaths are one of the leading preventable causes of death in Canada. Please remember to drink responsibly. And welcome back to the Arts Report. So if you have heard that last PSA, I know 
in a few weeks it's gonna be Halloween. Ooh, Halloween. So you want to, you know, <laughs> say <laughs> Hey, for me that means all Tom waits all day. Okay. It's just all right, strange then. things to your brain. <laughs> Um, you just want to be careful. And again, you're back to the arts report. We have Jake, and you have another review for us, right? Yeah, actually. It's funny that I mentioned uh, Tom Waits. He's one of those outsider figures in music you uh-huh. kind of get the weirder slant from. The fact that he's still alive, I think, surprises many people. That's so mean. Oh. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised by I, I, my oh, tone's not a surprise, is, but that is, that is. You know, he, I know he's still alive. <laughs> It is. It is a little bit of a cruel. It is is a cruel thing to say about the man. But he's he's made that same point himself. Oh, I believe. And uh, there's. But another outsider performer came to Vancouver last Saturday, and I saw a show. And that guy was Tech Nine. Ooh, okay. Tech Nine is um. He's a he's a hardcore rapper. He's he's known for he's what's he, he's a chopper. So yep. he's got he goes incredibly fast. And I don't know a lot about hip hop to be frank, but I I've heard. Tech Nine, and he collaborates a lot with um, with rockers, including a, a lineup of The Doors, actually, um, before Ray Manzarek died. Mm-hmm. And that was actually really interesting. Uh, and he also did a song with Serge Tankani in The System of a Down. And uh, he's just, I, his ability to actually just go so fast on a record, which he actually, sometimes he can't keep up in concert, which is which is actually, it's, it's interesting. Like he really? Is, he has a song called Worldwide Choppers, uh-huh. uh, which the original version features him, Chris Calico, some fellows from Denmark and Turkey, and then Buster Rhymes going as fast as they can. And that's uh, that's an interesting song. But the version on his new album, Special Effects, which is the one he's promoting, features this guy, Chris Calico, again, and uh, Eminem. And they're just going as fast as they possibly can. And there's lyric videos on YouTube. If you look them up, try to rap along to them, it is humiliating. Just it's their... But he so he performed at the Vogue Theater to promote this album, Special Effects, and uh, I looked into this album and it was interesting because this album is produced by the same guy who did the score for Insidious. Oh, yeah, Tech Nine's yeah. kind of like uh, the Weekend in that he uh, like you know how the Weekend I, I don't know if uh, this is common knowledge but the Weekend took a lot of his beats from John Carpenter scare chords. I didn't know that. Yeah, on Halloween, actually, there's a showing of the movie Halloween where they've got those scores, like there was those looming synth lines, uh-huh. that they, those ta- that, which the uh, Italian, and tonight, actually, there's Giallo Night where you can see the original scores from the Vells of Goblin. Goblin! <laughs> the, 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 they're a prog rock band who did these scores, uh-huh. but those synth lines, though. And the special effects beats aren't very as synth, aren't as synthy because Tech Nine is a very aggressive flow. Uh, and he he shouts a lot in some of his things. Like it, there's a song, Devil. One of his songs, Devil Boy, where it goes, okay. he turns very briefly into a thrash metal song when he that he's that he's p- parodying. Uh-huh. I should probably get to the concert though. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Go so ahead. the concert it, it's at the Vogue. It was all ages, which is interesting because this guy's named after the handgun of choice for among other things, one of the perpetrators of the Columbine massacre, and he performs in skull makeup, singing songs about how that shit crazy he is. Yeah. Well, also also about also about a lot of fun things too. He's, okay. he's got definitely got a happy go lucky side. But the point is that I don't know if you'd imagine which parent goes hmm. Probably a good guy to take my kid to, but that I, you know, I, I I can't I can't judge that. He's still a good performer, and uh-huh. it's a good show to take him to. I it's uh and it was an interesting thing. I'm not a particularly tall guy, uh, IRL in real life, and uh, uh so I found that the I was surrounded by it was the crowd was actually pretty mixed, okay. uh but I'd say at least about 55 percent male. So mm-hmm. I was standing collarbone to eye level with the with most of the guys uh-huh. and face to face with their girlfriends, and that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Uh, and at so this is at the Vogue. It's a it's a de- it's a nice theater. There's a dance floor. There's an upper deck, and there's a there's a few seats on the ground floor. Not very many. Mm-hmm. And the opening acts went on for about an hour and a half. The first one was good. The second one, I I, I don't know. I was my legs were actually getting sore at that point because <laughs> I was stuck on. I was stuck. I couldn't get out. Yeah, you, you're kind of like uh, you know like like a herring in like a can. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Like again, I'm not a big guy. I look like 80s Woody Harrelson's truncated stunt double. I can't okay, really... no, you don't. You don't look like that. This being a non-visual medium, go with my word here. <laughs> or... He doesn't look like that. Thank you. Uh, but uh, so th- there, there was that aspect to it. Like it was mm-hmm. a very crowded place. It was, uh, I'd say, it was a sold-out show, which is good for. Which is, that's definitely good. Mm-hmm. Now, so but when Tech Nine came on, this guy is on point. Like he's. He performs very well, and he performs very much in line. It's, it was an assortment of material. He has a song, for example, called Caribou Lou, which is actually the recipe for a cocktail. For the, so actually, I actually know this recipe. Yes. It's, 
It's a shot and a half of 151, a shot of Malibu, and then top with pineapple juice. Drink responsibly. <laughs> this is the closest thing to a lobotomy in a glass you can get with this many Drink ingredients. Drink responsibly, yes, guys. It's just, that's just, <laughs> it's, one of those, it's one of those things that would not go out with PSA. And actually, he... In in the course of this concert, he goes that they're going to try and bottle it. They're going to. I don't know how that's going to end up. Frankly, I, I'm not well disposed towards coolers, but that's that's an interesting mm-hmm. proposition I found. Uh, so he does that. He does other songs. He does one song called "Am I a Psycho," and he's partnered with this guy Chris Calico for the entire thing. And this guy Chris Calico can actually sing quite well. He can sing with a lot of force, and he's he he, uh, he does some of the bridges on the songs, okay. which is very good. It's. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed that because uh, you can't always tell what he's saying. Maybe because of where I was or how fast he's going okay. or how loud the beats were or a combination of all three. But uh, you, could, you could hear this guy, Chris Calico, in the, you could hear him in the back of the theater. He had a, quite a powerful voice. And he said that he's going to do an all-singing album soon. I, that, that would be interesting, I think. I, I should, and this is one concert that made me realize I should probably look into this guy mm-hmm. a bit more. Because I, I don't know a huge amount about him, to be honest. I, I'm saying here, I know that I'm, I'm just doing my impression of this show, uh, having gone there. And I, it's an, it was an enjoyable show, I'm saying. And, uh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I got to say. It was an enjoyable show. It was a fun show. It was his last show in Canada. Okay. He liked Vancouver. That's good. Vancouver, it, we are liked. Yeah. He's like, hello, Van City. And he's got this very robust voice. And uh-huh. he's got, hello, Van City. And he's like... Going out, everybody interacts well with the audience. The guy's, the guy's got charisma. He's a solid performer, and he did a good show. And as I was at the Vogue, though, I also noticed they have their schedule for the uh, the rest of the many other events are coming up. Mm-hmm. And the one on the 30th of, of October, a, yeah. Is that Halloween? I'm actually I'm 31st. really bad with dates. That's okay, 31st. Day before Halloween. Yeah. Is, um, it's, it's, it's an event which features Five Alarm Funk. Um, it's a peekaboo, uh, mm-hmm. the radio thing. They're doing it. And Five Alarm Funk, I again, I'm from London, Ontario, but these guys travel a lot, and there's a place called, there's a thing called Sunfest in London, Ontario, which is this giant free music festival. Okay. And Five Alarm, they are, they've been there a few times. Every single time they draw a huge crowd because they are a great live show. They have boundless energy, and they just have this conviction, this 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 solid, like, these guys are kind of like, um, like, they just, like, these guys, they, they deserve a, I, I, in, in my opinion, anyway, just as a, as a live show, they deserve kudos. I haven't, I don't know, what, I, I haven't checked out any of their albums. Uh, they play a lot of different material in their live shows. And if I recall correctly, last show, they said that they were working on uh, a comic book and or an animation uh, concept. A comic, with comic their, book or, or, or animation? Yeah, I think, I think they were, they are just visiting in very early stages of developing art. And they wanted to see which uh, which medium it lend itself to. I I'm I may not. This is a memory from. Uh, it's about okay about about three months ago. I, I get okay. hit in the head a lot, but <laughs> there's that. And I on the thirtieth, I would I'd highly recommend seeing them. Like I I'm 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 probably gonna buy my ticket. I'm probably gonna do that tonight actually if I remember. Like it's just it's it's they're one of those acts that I think yeah I, I just gotta see. I feel compelled to see. There's also Nick Lowe. In uh, in Christmas, like the guy who does "Cruel to Be Kind" in the oh, right yeah, yeah. Also, my personal favorite is "I Knew the Bride When She Used to Rock and Roll." I'm tone deaf, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is also a little bit of music corner with Jake today. A little bit, yeah. I could do do my impressions. I have four notes in baritone; they're not together, so that's the problem. But uh, the uh, he's there over the holidays. I think he's doing. It's very close to Christmas, and it's a Christmas mm-hmm. theme show. Um, but then in February, there's also Booker T and the MGs. A um, lot of stuff happening in Vancouver. Yeah, you know, this, this is just at the out. Vogue too. Yeah, it's I, only at the Vogue. I don't know too much about Vancouver, but I gotta say, it, it attracts a very interesting crowd. Like the, the Vogue there's a alone. A lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah, like Booker T and the MGs. If if you, for example, if you DJ, great source of samples. Mm-hmm. They're up there with James Brown for being a very well sampled group. They're, they're Grammy winners. That show's probably going to be pretty pricey. I can imagine that show. Oh, oh, it is, but it's still worth it if you are interested. Yes. Guys. Yeah, yeah, it would it would be. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely saying that. They they put on – they I, I'm told they put on a very solid show. A mm-hmm. uh, friend of mine who lives just down the hall from me, a big fan of theirs, like when I told him Booker T and the MGs are performing, he's like, awesome. 
Um, and then he just ran back to his room so they could write it down. All I was right. like, uh, okay, cool. Another cool thing that's actually happening on campus if people are looking yes. to uh, take a look at some UBC um, locales, uh, we have a wonderful concert that's coming up this Saturday, October 24th, 2015, uh, 8 p.m. with Paco Pena. If you only ever see flamenco once in your life, make it this. It um, says London Independent on Sunday, um, the newspaper. Paco Pena is a true master of his craft, widely considered to be the greatest flamenco guitarist in the world. His notable career started almost six decades ago in Andalusia, Spain. Since then, he has brought the treasured art form to millions of people.